It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Dick Bott with today's complete story. I tell you what, well, usually it's the father-son team, you know, Rich Bott and Dick Bott, but Rich is out of the state right now, so it leaves me in the studio to just talk to you and tell you things maybe that I haven't ever told you before uh, that I think are interesting. One of the aspects of living, it's wonderful to be on top of the mountain, isn't it? I mean, when the mountaintop experiences of life come along, we have no trouble handling those at all. But it's getting down into the valley of life. Those are the experiences you've got to forage through. And Linda Randall has written a song about that, and I want you to hear it now. When you're up on the mountain And you've got peace of mind Like you've never known But things change When you're down in the valley Don't lose space you're never alone For the God on the child, that'll carry you through your lifetime. But whenever you learn it, it's none too soon, that's for sure. So anyway, let's just talk a little bit. Shirley and I have been married 66 years, you know, I've mentioned that. And a Bot Radio Network was started uh, 56 years ago. And we moved to Kansas City from the West Coast with four little children. 
But when we got married 50, uh, 66 years ago, our, our little nephew, little Jimmy Patterson, he was the ring bearer in our wedding. Just this cute little kid. And uh, I don't know, Jimmy probably was, I don't know, maybe five years old then, four years old, four and a half years, somewhere in there. Well, he grew up. He liked to swim when he was in high school. He was he, he was a competitor in swimming, and he enjoyed that, enjoyed water skiing, enjoyed just being a boy. Uh, but he was a Christian. He was always in church. His mom and dad always made sure. Uh, Jimmy then grew up and became the mayor of Fresno, California, two times. I think he was the first two-time mayor of that town, that city. We have a lot of radio listeners in that Fresno area, you know, all the way in central California from north of Modesto to south of Fresno. But that was little Jimmy Patterson when he grew up. But even before then, when he got married to Sharon Laterno, why, uh, they'd been married a while and uh, no children, no children. I suppose probably like any young couple, the clock is ticking and it wasn't happening. And they had some friends of theirs that were adopting a child that from Vietnam. Do you remember when the the orphan children were helicoptered out of uh, of Hanoi, I think it was, wasn't it, to make the, the great, uh, get them out, get them out, because North Vietnam was taking over South Vietnam. It was a horrible thing, so we got to get the kids out, get the orphans out, and the big airlift, the helicopter airlift to get the children out. But there was a big group of orphan children that had been brought from Vietnam to the Oakland Air Base. And Jim and his wife were driving up from Fresno to Oakland with another couple that had uh, signed up to adopt one of these children. And they drove up there just for the pleasure of being with their friends and all of that. And while they were there at this one part of the air base, Jim got to walking around and uh, looking around, there was another hangar. There was another big section where the little ones that were hard to place, the little ones that had been kind of thought, well, no one will want them. No one will want them. They have problems. They have disabilities. They're the hard to place ones. So Jim was roaming around in there, and there was little BJ. I don't know how old BJ was, maybe maybe two years old, maybe two years old, maybe a little bit. And little BJ kind of hobbled up to Jim and grabbed him around the legs and kind of hugged him, and Jim picked him up, and that melted his heart. Interesting, you see, the little guy didn't go to the mama, didn't go to Jim's wife. That would have been a done deal in a hurry. But God knows what he was doing. And when that little boy hugged Jim and Jim picked him up, in spite of his disabilities, in spite of anything, they wanted to adopt that child. And little BJ has now grown up, and he's gotten married. And out of that, Jim and Sharon adopted uh, other children, other children. And now those children have grown up and got married, and Jim and Sharon are grandparents. But Jim's life also has gone on, and he is the representative, the state representative in the state assembly. I guess they called it an assemblyman 
in the state of California for the 23rd Assembly District, which is around Fresno. And he's been in the California Assembly for quite a while. And he loves the Lord. And sometimes it's tough in California politics to be a good guy and stand for life, stand for the freedom of people of all color. And all the things that are taught in the Bible are simply right to do. But nevertheless, Jim has. Now, you know where we are today, folks. You know that New York has just passed a big law where abortion is now certified or ratified. It's the state law of New York. You can get an abortion once again, unimpeded, right up to the moment of birth. I mean, you know, they may have little excuses here or there, elsewhere, but that's what it is. It's the freedom of choice, but they never say the choice to do what? I'm kind of an inquisitive guy. So I'm always thinking, well, what are you talking about? The choice? I like choice. But the choice to do what? Remember Abraham Lincoln in his big address? I forget the fellow that he was debating. It was a big debate. And the other fellow said, well, I would never own a slave. Uh, that's, but who am I to say what somebody else should do if they want to? The Lincoln-Douglas debate, that's what it was. And then Abraham Lincoln came back, because that sounded reasonable when Douglas said that. Who am I? Who am I to speak for the other guy? And then Lincoln's reply was, well, my good friend Douglas would give the choice to everyone other than the person to whom the choice is most important. And when I heard that a number of years ago, I thought that's exactly what we're talking about in the abortion issue. Everybody wants choice, but what about the child? Who's the advocate of the child? Who speaks for the child? And is it a child? Well, science has now proven that from the moment of conception. We're working with a child. The child grows, but every child does grow. But that's what we're working with, a distinct individual human life. And what kind of a society do we have when we cannot incorporate that? when we cannot understand that, when we don't even want to believe that because it's not convenient for us to do so as a society or many times individually. Man alive. Well, anyway, it was just recently now with some California legislation in the assembly that my nephew, Jim Patterson, who is now a grandparent, why he was going to say uh, he was going to speak on the floor of the of the assembly in Sacramento on this subject because they got legislation they're passing bills right and left um, give everybody a choice to kill their children if they care to of course they don't call it a child they call it what a fetus uh, which by the way I think is Latin for young young person or something like that and so Jim was thinking. Because now he has adopted these several children, and every last one of them at the time needed somebody to help them, to take care of them, to care about them. And here is what my nephew, Rich's cousin, said on the floor just the other day. My comments in no way should be construed as judgmental. But I need to rise and tell the story of the blessing of a different 
kind of choice. I've risen here before to talk about my adopted son, BJ, from Vietnam. I have not spoken of my middle son and my daughter. They are adopted as well. Jason was conceived by a 16-year-old, obviously a pregnancy with great difficulty. And through a choice of another kind, she determined to birth that child and about eight weeks later, we were able to welcome that little boy into our family and we named him Jason. Our daughter was birthed by a 37-year-old woman. Again, a, certainly a pregnancy with complications, obviously. But again, a choice of a different kind was made. That choice of a different kind brought to us Lindsay. And I can remember being in the hospital room and by her side as she handed Lindsay, two days old, to Sharon. These are the blessings of a different kind of choice. That 16-year-old grew up, married, has lived a good and wonderful and productive life, lives in Central California near us. A 37-year-old birth mother married a wonderful man at 38 and had a baby daughter. We stay in touch. I will be a respectful and quiet no, only because I think we are incomplete and missing at least a reverential appreciation of what some women choose and what that means for life. We live with the joy of that choice. And, and that choice has meant birthdays, graduations, anniversaries, grandchildren. So I would hope in the discourse here and in the vote that there would at least be a recollection and a heartfelt appreciation for choice of a different kind. And I stand here, and as I said, not in judgment, but as a witness to a different decision and the joy that that can create. We, we don't celebrate, we don't write resolutions, we don't bring women here to encourage and celebrate that decision. And I, I would just be remiss if I did not stand and voice what's in our heart, and in Sharon's heart. And that this choice of a different 
nature can be one without the kind of absolute and irrevocable decision. And yet, that is a decision that can be made and is legal. And all I am doing is rising to thank two wonderful women and to honor the joyful consequences of that choice. Jason, Lindsay, little Noah, Jenna, Leston, and Jovi. Yeah. <laughs> See, those, those are now his grandchildren plus the children he adopted, including that little Vietnamese boy who had real limitations, real problems, and now he's grown up and he's married and so on and so forth. So, folks, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about on Bot Radio Network. When you hear us broach this subject, this important, important subject, listen to this. Who will speak up for the little ones, helpless and half abandoned? They've got a right to choose life they don't want to. Speak up, won't you? Yeah. See, little by little by little, my own awakening. My word in 1973, when Roe versus Wade was passed, let's face it, folks, by the Supreme Court, who already knew that the churches and the and the public they wouldn't like it, uh, but they would accept it. But they would accept it because, after all, we don't want to get into politics. We don't want to get into controversy. Uh, we don't want to get into somebody else's decision to do whatever they want. Whatever they want with what? We never asked ourselves that. Whatever they want to do with their children. Are we talking about children? We don't even want to go in that conversation, do we? Uh, we can pass laws as long as, they are, as long as they don't affect us. Who cares what other people do? Now, it was years and years ago when Marlon Maddox was still alive and did the talk show, Point of View, I think it was. We were one of the first uh, Christian stations that carried it. Uh, his program was out of Dallas, Texas, and Marlon Maddox, my word, interviewed little Jenna Chesson, who had been a survivor of a saline abortion. Wow! Does that prove the point, folks? Listen to that voice right now. Tell us a little of your story. Well, I'm adopted, and my biological mother was 17 and seven months pregnant, and she went in and had a saline abortion. And a saline abortion, I'll just describe real briefly because a lot of people don't know what it is. It's a saline salt solution that's injected into the mother's womb. The baby gulps that solution, it burns the baby inside and out, and she delivers a dead baby within 24 hours. It's exactly what happens. But I came out alive, and I have no burns on my body, and um, I just, I believe it was the hand of God that was on me and protected me and kept me alive. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that something? Now, you see, saline abortions, saline solution abortions, I don't know if they're still done or not because, because you know, the abortionist, he wants to be sure that people like little Jenna don't survive. She survived. And, of course, the abortionist probably was embarrassed. I don't know. He didn't get the job done, did he? 
But that precious little, and by the way, I don't know how old she is now, but she's around the country giving speeches and that sort of thing. Bless her heart. Bless her heart. And I just pray for her mother, if she's still alive, that she was caught in a moment when no one was helping her make the right decision. I don't know what thoughts have been in her head since. I don't know anything about her. But I know we are all created by God Almighty not to be unkind to each other. Uh, sometimes to carry the water for somebody else who can't do it for themselves. Let me tell you, every pregnancy is not the thing you plan. But I'll tell you this, that little baby from the moment of conception is not whether or not you are, have, you're going to have a baby. Come on, folks, we're talking science. You have a baby. Words are important. How we say things is important. Somebody, after the moment of conception, has a baby. Now the question is, what are we going to do with it? How can we help each other? How can we take care of this? Now, you remember there was a nurse in Illinois. Her name was Jill Stanick, and she was a very young nurse. She was just a girl out of nursing college or whatever in her job and getting on with it and everything. And she didn't know that much about the subject of abortion or anything like that. It was an abstract. I think to a lot of Christians, that's true. And yet here she was this one day in the delivery room of Christ Hospital where they were doing an abortion. And she thought, wow. And then she found later that little baby in the soiled linen closet disposed of and nobody caring, just waiting for the little kid to die, because that's what they figured anyway, without kindness, without compassion, without caring, uh, really as the victim of what had happened. And then that young, that young girl found that little baby. Now, Jill Stenick is now, I don't know how old she is. She has to be pretty up in age. But that changed her life forever. Here's her own statement to me. Thanks for having me, Mr. Bott. And you're absolutely right. I was a registered nurse at Christ Hospital on the southwest side of Chicago when I discovered the hospital was not only involved in late-term abortions, but that the method of abortion that the hospital used sometimes resulted in babies being aborted alive. And if they were aborted alive, they were allowed to die in the soiled utility room without any medical intervention whatsoever. So let's let's just stop there then. And this is the case where they intentionally intended to kill the kid. And they right. failed and they failed. And they failed. The child lived anyway. The child was alive anyway. There is the child alive and well. And not well, but is surviving uh, the attempt on its life. And and so this is the scene uh, that you're describing, and you were a nurse in that hospital. Yes, and went to work there thinking I would be safe at a hospital named Christ from abortion, because who would think? But I found out that this was going on, and then one night a nursing co-worker was taking a little abortion survivor to the soiled utility room because his parents didn't want to hold him, and she didn't have time to hold him that night. And he was a 21-week uh, baby with Down syndrome. That's why he'd been aborted. And when she told me what she was doing, I couldn't bear the thought of this suffering child dying alone. 
And so I cradled and rocked him for the 45 minutes that he lived. Now, this is a, a hospital, Christ Hospital, for goodness sakes. Is that associated with a particular church or denomination? or what Yes, is it? it's affiliated with two denominations, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America and the United Church of Christ, which are both pro-abortion denominations, which is something I didn't even know existed, um, that a pro-abortion church denomination uh, back in the day. But now I know that it's... It's relatively prevalent. So you were a young nurse in that in that ward, in that hospital, in that department, and so on and so forth. You probably heard whispers. You probably heard little little statements or something that you didn't quite understand or know about. Is it, am I describing this approximately the way it was? Well, actually, it was going on quietly in the in the labor and delivery department since 1978, and I worked in the department for a year and didn't know that it was going on all around me until one night I heard a report that we were aborting a second trimester baby, and that one also had Down syndrome, and that was the first that I heard about it. And even when the story went eventually public, um, nurses in the next department, the neonatal unit, didn't believe it. They didn't know it was going on either, so it was very hush-hush. Well, somebody had to know what was going on, and the truth is what you're describing is happening across America, and no more so than Planned Parenthood. That, that, are, that is being supported by people's tax money. But go on. In other words, this is your bar mitzvah, as it were. This was your awakening as to what it was all about. Right. I'd been personally pro-life before that time, but needless to say, I think just about anybody who held an abortion survivor, like I did for 45 minutes, would be instantly converted into a pro-life activist. And I was. And so uh, I had first tried to appeal to the hospital privately to stop and followed the mandate of Matthew 18 when Jesus, you know, when you find someone in sin, you approach them privately, took back a couple of witnesses again privately, such as um, Cardinal Francis George of Chicago and Dr. C. Everett Koop, who was a pro-life surgeon general under President Reagan. He also appealed to the hospital. And when the hospital wouldn't stop, um, I went public. And this was in 1999, and I probably started talking to you not too long after that. <laughs> okay, folks. Now, listen, I'm out of time again. I don't know where it goes so fast. Now, our phone number for the listener comments, this is for you to call. Comment on anything you hear on Bot Radio Network. Not just this program, but anything. 1-800-345-2621. 1-800-345-2621. Love to hear from you. See you later. 